When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Bob Dylan is a seeker, a seer, even a prophet, who changed and still changes the times, perceptions, and the very purpose of how we live. This is Stephen Daniel Arnoff. I'm the host and creator of Bob Dylan, About Man and God and Law, the podcast, and also author of the book About Man and God and Law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan. And this book is about Dylan's voice, his purpose as the most insightful and provocative spiritual figure in the history of popular music. Theme by theme, listening closely to upwards of 50 of his songs and by placing Dylan in the flow of culture and religion from the past 500 years. I don't know of another book like this about Bob Dylan or any other pop figure, and that's why I wrote it. About Man and God and Law has been called a journey in enchantment, soulful, a revelation, and a must-have by early reviewers. I thank them for that. And I want you to read my book, too. It's available as an ebook beginning December 7, 2021, and in print in bookstores and online everywhere on May 3, 2022. You can even pre-order it at Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Now, for listeners to this podcast and their pals... If you stop by my website, mangodlaw.com, and sign up, I'll send you a free copy of the ebook. That's right, free and easy. All you got to do is post a review once you've read it. Like it, love it, hate it, just rate it. That's up to you. For a limited time only, come and get it. He not busy reading is busy dying, right? You know that. So visit mangodlaw.com for a free ebook and join the conversation. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And now, back to the show. Dylan was, he was a revolutionary, man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind. This is Bob Dylan, about man and God and law. When Michal Gilmore of Rolling Stone asked Bob Dylan about the significance of the release of his album Love and Theft on September 11, 2001, Dylan offered a strange image of how he works. I mean, you're talking to a person that feels like he's walking around in the ruins of Pompeii all the time, Dylan said. It's always been that way for one reason or another. Classic. 
or should we say classics, rock. In episode one of Bob Dylan, about man and God and law, we made the case for salvation, an unceasing hunger and seeking of redemption, as a driving force of Dylan's work. If you missed that episode, we welcome you to head back there and enjoy. In episode two, we're going to find out how an exhaustively curious collector of tunes, lyrics, poetry, art, literature, film, popular phrases, and text repurposes the artifacts of the traditions and culture of his personal Pompeii, not just into songs, but into a powerful and fascinating worldview. Each of Dylan's songs is a new way of remembering the world, like reclaiming the ruins of Pompeii if we follow Dylan's description of himself, making sense of the past, Reframing the present, anticipating the future. And in this art of songs enshrining past, present, and future like Pompeii, Dylan's salvational superpower is his memory. How he remembers and recollects all that makes culture in order to make culture anew. This is salvational classics rock. This is how Dylan adapts techniques and visions older than Pompeii to transform popular music into such a powerful cultural force, changing the way we think, feel, and remember. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff. Welcome to Episode 2 of Bob Dylan about man and God and law, the art of memory. Whether he knew it or not, when speaking to Rolling Stone about Pompeii and 9-11, Dylan's way of doing things as a songwriter dates back to the artistry of sages, poets, and rhetoricians of the classical world, the world of Pompeii, and even a thousand years or more before Pompeii. He is the most important contemporary inheritor of the cluster of memory techniques that have sourced, preserved, and reimagined culture for thousands of years, providing comfort and cohesion through content, through tradition. And this is a form of salvation. And this salvation is a supercharged, superpower memory expressed through music. It's the art of memory meets... Rock and roll. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? I do it because I have, like, a good memory, because I'm cognitively there. Memory. Maybe it's everyone's superpower. 
When you don't have it, what do you have? When it fails, when, when memory fails, who are you? Where are you? Well, just don't ask that guy. Sometimes it's hard to find people that understand. In the classical or ancient world, think 2,000 or even 2,500 years ago, the art of memory was an actual system of mnemonic tools that shaped the composition of every kind of art or story. From inventory comes invention. And remembering, or putting together the members of ideas, phrases, or any artifact from one's cultural warehouse, well, that is what the ancients meant by creativity. Think about that for a moment. For the Egyptian seer, the Greek philosopher, the Hebrew prophet, the Hindu holy man, creativity meant putting together what had come before you, not inventing something new. Your invention was your inventory. It's what you knew and how you knew it that mattered. It's what you did with what you inherited that mattered. So imagine the world of ideas and texts for the ancients like a periodic table. Maybe there are only 118 elements, but skillful combination of the right ones can produce any form of matter. In the classical world, the same concept held true for the world of the intellect, for anything, if you will, that mattered. With the right cultural inventory, the raw materials, a creator could obtain by studying his or her inherited culture in the Pompeii of his or her mind, the possibilities for combining these elements in new ways. And the possibilities were infinite. Great works, from the Odyssey to the New Testament, relied on a great memory. These were oral texts, traditional stories, heard and remembered as an assemblage of tropes, phrases, images, aphorisms, names that came before the Creator. Bob Dylan might explain the art of memory this way. Yes, I received your letter yesterday About the time the doorknob broke When you asked me how I was doing was that some kind of joke? All these people that you mentioned Yes, I know them, they're quite lame I had to rearrange their faces And give them all another name Right now I can't read too good Don't send me no more letters, no Not unless you mail them from Desolation Road. These people that you mention, Dylan sings in Desolation Row. I know them. They are quite lame. I had to rearrange their faces and give them all another name. Gleaning something new from what he has heard, seen, collected, or stored so that it makes sense. That's the story of this statement and this song. It also draws a direct line from the classical world to classic rock. Bob Dylan has often been compared to Homer, 
and Shakespeare and Milton and Dante and Keats and Whitman too. But if we want to juxtapose Dylan to a poet of the past, particularly a poet from the classical world, Simonides is a good match. Two poets, memorializing and renewing the cultural rubble that society might otherwise leave behind so that society can see itself for what it really is. These are the poets of Pompeii. In a well-traveled story related by the Roman philosophers Cicero and Quintilian, the poet Simonides, who lived from around 556 to 469 before the Common Era, had been invited to perform at a large banquet in honor of the wealthy nobleman Scopus. Think of it as a corporate gig, the kind of show for a private establishment audience that poets of old and uh, rock stars of today take on in order to make a quick buck. Think of Aerosmith or the Eagles, if you can stand it, at a hedge fund guy's blowout, Britney Spears at a bat mitzvah. Hmm. Well, Simonides' job was to massage the ego of his host with the songs of praise composed especially for the occasion. Now, before we tell the story, let's talk about how true it might be. Like the multiple urban legends distorting the facts of an actual event, like uh, Dylan's motorcycle crash, that it was staged, that he sustained brain damage, that he had died. There is a kernel of truth embedded in what has been passed down concerning Simonides and the banquet. There was almost certainly a poet by that name. Simonides, and there definitely was a poetic technique prominent in his era upon which he and others relied. People cared about this technique, the art of memory. They wanted to know how it worked and where it came from, and maybe there really was a catastrophe like the one that Simonides would soon witness. Whatever the level of truth of each strand of the story might have been, like the art of memory itself, a legend woven by a skillful storyteller comes together in a pattern of fact and embellishment that people need to hear. Regardless of where the kernel of truth lives within the details of the story, the tale that Simonides passes down to explain the genesis of a way of life, a myth of memory, it mirrors how the technique works. And there's another classical rhetorical element at play here as well. Call it the technique of teaching values and ideas through the stories of uh, the rock stars of the classical world, the way a celebrity or artist can stand for a whole world of thinking if he or she stars in the right legend. Like when we say Kafkaesque, you know what we mean, right? Or Dylanesque. Explaining an important concept through the presence of a single, charismatic person simply makes the topic more resonant. The technical term for this kind of story is a chria, an anecdote crafted about a person that carries an important message transcending the protagonist. Like the legend of George Washington cutting down a cherry tree, embodying values of honesty. Or Dylan's story of locking eyes with Buddy Holly the night before he died, teaching the importance of a rock and roll disciple inheriting tradition from a master. So, here comes Simonides, poetic hired hand, in a classic, classical, rock star Chria story meant to teach us about the art of memory. 
Simonides gave a killer performance, a magisterial ode honoring his host, Mr. Scopus, and then his patron, Mr. Scopus, like the nasty club owners who made it necessary for Chuck Berry to be paid in cash before the show so they didn't get stiffed. Well, Scopus said, sorry, Simonides, I'm only giving you half your fee. Now get out of here, kid, you bother me. As Simonides and Scopus were haggling, one of Scopus's staff interrupted to tell Simonides that two gentlemen were outside waiting for him. It sounded ominous, but Simonides excused himself in the middle of trying to cut a deal. Simonides walked outside, looked around the garden for a minute or two, but there was no one there. And then, with Simonides outside of the banquet hall and Scopus and all of his guests inside, the roof collapsed, killing everyone. Total destruction. Only Simonides survived. Dylan's reference to Pompeii in the album Love and Death's release on 9-11 becomes all the more compelling in this tragic context, as we'll consider more deeply in a few moments. Now, when the friends and relatives of the dead arrived later to collect the bodies of their loved ones, they found them so disfigured that they could not identify who was who. It was horrific. And Simonides the poet was still there. I can help, he said. I locked into my memory an image with the place where each and every one of the guests had been seated around the table. A moment frozen in time like Pompeii. Simonides then proceeded to identify every dead and disfigured guest by accident. An actual, horrible accident. Simonides had discovered the method of loci, one of the mnemonic techniques of the art of memory. And if the creative act of the art of memory Dylan calls upon is rearranging faces and giving them all another name, Simonides models what comes first. Being able to store the intimate details of society's faces in careful order so that they can be identified and preserved in a way that makes sense when we need them. How this technique of visualization in the art of memory intuitively lives alongside many other mnemonic devices in Dylan's work and, and the work of rock music as a whole goes a long way towards explaining the impact of rock and roll on culture as well as Dylan's pivotal role in bringing ancient and contemporary worlds together. show you how the memory palace works so that you can memorize the first hundred digits of pi. So you can't just memorize a hundred digits of a random number. Most of us are just not going to be able to do that. The technique that uh, I use is called the major system. So using this code, you can convert any number into a word and then into an image that you can visualize in your memory palace. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That was Joshua Four talking about the Memory Palace. His book, Moonwalking with Einstein, tells a contemporary tale of memory masters use all variety of mnemonic techniques, some of which go back thousands of years, to create specific locales, or loci, which allow them to remember almost anything. Back in the day, and also amongst the contemporary rememberers described in Forrest's book, 
All a person needed to do to access the knowledge, the text, the story, even the numbers within a memory tableau was to take a stroll through the mind to recollect and remember whatever that individual wanted to recall. It was as common in ancient days as the hard drive or cloud is in ours. And for that reason, so many of our metaphors and ideas about the mind rely on the images of the art of memory. Think about knowing something like the back of your hand. It comes straight from those techniques. Poets, rock stars, musicians, artists, they all use powerful tools of memory and communication to make sense of the world, particularly at times of crisis. They know where society's most important secrets are hidden, especially when the world gets shaky, or worse, when the world falls apart. And when people are confused about who is who and what is what, and they can't even identify the people they love, memory channeled by the poetic arts of memory matter the most. In this context, Dylan's explanation of his creative worldview in the aftermath of 9-11 is even more poignant. He was ready for Pompeii all along. We said in our first episode that the people of the rock and roll empire sought a map for meaning when the ancient arts of religion failed to ask good questions, let alone offer relevant answers to a world disrupted. As the culture of the 60s pulled many long-standing societal assumptions apart, people needed a poet to sort through the rubble and point in the right direction. It might have looked at first like one big party, a banquet of the who's who like the one Simonides attended. But things got serious real fast. And that is the story of memory, salvation, and rock and roll. It's no wonder that a generation that embraced the symbolism of a rolling stone bumping along wherever nature and fate would take it also wanted someone to stop the motion and help it find roots in a world of memory and experience and feeling deeper and more grounded than what individuals could access alone. Now we're going to try to put some of these pieces together. The ancient art of memory, the Chriya, by which values are modeled or embodied by a singular figure, and the maps that Dylan creates through songs to help resituate and remember people in something greater than themselves. It's nighttime in the big city. A styrofoam coffee cup rolls across the street. Two sailors get out of the cab. It's theme time radio hour with your host, Bob Dylan. It's time for theme time radio hour. Dreams, schemes, and themes. Sit back and enjoy yourself. Pour yourself a tall cool one and listen while we discuss the world of liquid libation, booze, Sauce, hooch, white lightning, fire water, hard stuff, pick-me-up, gin and juice, moonshine, canned heat. We're going to start out with George Zimmerman and the Thrills doing Ain't Got No Money to Pay for This Drink. I need it bad. My wine-headed baby took everything I had. You know, all this talk is making me thirsty. Excuse me a minute. Hey, Barton, Barton. What you want? Give me a drink, Daddy. What you gonna do with it? 
Don't ask me that. You got the money to pay for it? Well, I'm going to tell you how that is. As Bob Dylan himself learned as a child of early rock and roll, if you want to hear what the world is made of, turn on the radio. Now, if you want to hear what Bob Dylan's world is made of, and the raw material that he has used to shape not just his songs, but his worldview, just turn on his radio show. Dreams, Themes, and Schemes, Theme Time Radio Hour. 100 thematically-based satellite radio shows recorded from 2006 to 2009. We could do a whole podcast just about Theme Time Radio Hour. It is there that Dylan's art of memory is right there for all to see. And here, each show has a theme, hair, Christmas, coffee, you name it. And each episode is a counterintuitive memory palace to store the culture that matters to our host, Bob Dylan. These old songs are my lexicon and prayer book, Dylan told the New York Times in 1997. All my beliefs come out of those old songs. Dylan explained how he works with this lexicon of old songs to Robert Hilburn of the Los Angeles Times in 2004. My songs, Dylan says, are either based on old Protestant hymns or Carter family songs or variations of the blues form. What happens is, I'll take a song I know and simply start playing it in my head. That's the way I meditate. A lot of people will look at a crack on the wall and meditate or count sheep or angels or money or something, and it's a proven fact that it'll help them relax. I don't meditate on any of that stuff. I meditate on a song. Tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground. Lonely but free, I'll be found. Drifting along with a tumbling tumbleweed. I'll be playing Bob Nolan's Tumbling Tumbleweeds, for instance, in my head constantly while I'm driving a car or talking to a person or sitting around or whatever. People will think that they're talking to me and I'm talking back, but I'm not. I'm listening to a song in my head. At a certain point, some words will change and I'll start writing a song. Now, this repetitive pattern of meditation leading to new work is familiar to any committed musician. The jamming and woodshedding of repeating scales and riffs or favorite songs that ultimately bend themselves into an original riff or melody that we call new. Even if its creative genetic code can be traced back to the older, original form from which it organically emerged. Here on the range I belong Drifting along with a tumbling In 1960, a book called The Singer of Tales by Albert Lord 
tried to explain how it was possible that the Homeric epics, some of which are well over 10,000 lines long, could have been memorized and performed orally by the bards of ancient Greece. Yes, we're preceding Pompeii once again. Well, Lord maintained, and many say proved through the analysis of Serbio-Croatian ballads, that bards of tradition did not repeat texts verbatim, having memorized them word for word. Rather, each performance was comprised of a performer's reworking of a shared body of traditional formulas with deep structure and narrative common to the cultural tradition in which they worked. In other words, a stroll through a cultural musical memory palace to create an epic anew each time it was sung. That's one of the reasons why the Iliad or the Odyssey follow predictable epic narrative patterns that are full of stock characters and repeated epithets like rosy-fingered dawn or great-eyed Athena. But if you think about it, it also explains why stock characters and phrases inhabit the blues or other forms of traditional music. They are signposts. They are artifacts of memory. They are ways of taking a stroll through the cultural deritus to create something new. And that's the story Dylan is telling about Tumblin' Tumbleweeds. He practices a tune, plays with its structure, revisits its artifacts and stories and figures, a kind of Pompeii for the composer. And, as he says, quote, at a certain point, some words will change and I'll start writing a song. It's a reworking of inherited content. It's invention based on inventory. Now, Dylan's work is loaded with examples of this creative model. Christopher Ricks, who is the greatest Dylan lecturer we've ever heard, notes how a hard rain's gonna fall comes out of the deep structure of the Scottish ballad Lord Randall, itself part of a particular song pattern and type reaching back hundreds of years. Oh, what have you been, Lord Randall, my son? And what have you been, my handsome young man? I've been at the Greenwood Mother Muck, my bed soon, for I'm weary way hunting and fain would lie tune. Oh, where have you been, my blue eyes, and where have you been, my darling young one? I've stumbled along the sides of twelve misty mountains. Where have you been, my blue son? Where have you been, my darling young one? I stumbled on the side of twelve misty mountains. Walked in and crawled on six crooked highways. Been in the middle of seven sad forests. Been my blue eyes.
Been out in my son and where have you been my handsome young man I've been at the greenwood mother muck my bed soon for I'm weary way a hard rain's gonna fall it's right there inside of Lord Randall it embeds itself on the form and melody of the song that precedes it and then both are heard when a hard rain's gonna fall is sung by Bob Dylan. Jenny Ledeen, a marvelous character who travels the Dylan circuit in the summertime with truckloads of copies of her book, Prophecy in the Christian Era, well, she has opened up a book of poems and handed it to me, written by an Italian poet in the 13th century as she cites meditative parallels between Dante and Dylan. Or consider the obvious examples of 9-11's love and theft, the words, melody, and tempo slide of Rollin' and Tumblin' flowing directly out of the structure of the original Rollin' and Tumblin', performed most famously by Muddy Waters, who himself likely crafted a version of this song from blues idioms traveling back for generations before him. Examples of Dylan's practice of repeating old material in order to produce new material abound because this is exactly how Dylan works as a traditionally grounded poet and musician. He's not a melodist. He's a rememberer. Take care of your memories, for you may not relive them, Dylan sings. But the truth is that memories never die when artists and poets skillfully keep them alive by continually reworking them, like clay on a ceramic wheel reworked into new expression of something old and new. By definition, the art of memory is a kind of paradox. A poet can only create new life by preserving what would otherwise be dead, by saving the dead, and giving it new life by passing it on. This is musical memory and musical salvation. Imagine the scenes of Desolation Row as a massive Baroque painting in a cavernous ivory hall, like the Metropolitan Museum of Art or the Louvre, to gain a sense of how a poet takes possession of cultural content, reworks it, and reorganizes the material in order to create a memorial of his or her own. Just as Simonides grabbed the social elite in the steel trap of his mind so that their faces might be preserved and dispersed when the time was right, the storyteller of Desolation Row slowly unburdens his memory of faces when he needs to call them forth for the world. Cinderella, Betty Davis, Romeo, Cain and Abel, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Good Samaritan, Ophelia, Einstein, Robin Hood, Dr. Filth, the Phantom of the Opera, Casanova, Nero's Neptune, the Titanic, Ezra Pound and T.S. Eliot are all coming to the carnival tonight. But unlike Simonides, who claimed to match the map of the people at the banquet precisely, Dylan employs an aggressive form of the method of loci, of the art of memory, applying his own unique order to the raw material of history, because this is the only way the tradition can make sense to him. He reorders the canon. He reorders history. 
Yes, I received your letter yesterday, about the time the doorknob broke. When you asked how I was doing, was that some kind of joke? All these people that you mention, I know them. They are quite lame. I had to rearrange their faces and give them all another name. Right now, I can't read too good. Don't send me no letters, no. Not unless you mail them from Desolation Row. The letter Dylan has received, it may have been written in another language altogether. It's unreadable even offensive because it ignores the fact that only reconstructed reality can preserve a sensitive soul from the cultural chaos of the quote-unquote real world. Dylan's narrator sees the same faces as his pen pal, but each with a another name planted within his personal grid of desolation, grounded in the only terms that he can understand and accept. He's recreated a world to make sense of it, to heal it, to remember it better than it was. This, again, is the art of memory as a kind of salvation. I'm walking, we hear Dylan sing and ain't talking, decades after Desolation Row, through streets that are dead. And in fact, all things are dead if we don't remember them well, let alone remember them at all. In Dylan's vision, time and time again, making sense of the world, reworking its traditions, using its lexicon of songs, is to report back not just on what he has seen, but what he wants to see. Feeling like he is always walking through the ruins of Pompeii winds up being a gift, so much more than a burden. It's a font of creativity, not a cage. Ask me how I was doing Was that some kind of joke All these people that you mentioned Yes, I know them, they are quite lame I had to rearrange their faces And give them all another name Right now I can't read too good Don't send me no more letters, no Next time, we'll follow this path of memory and rock and roll from Dylan through the Beatles up to Dylan's most recent release, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Subscribe, share, and stay tuned. And thank you for listening to episode two of Bob Dylan about man and God and law. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff. See you soon. For show notes, clips, and other good stuff relating to our podcast, please visit mangodlaw.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points.